Hello and welcome to the Compassionate Leadership Interview. I'm Chris Whitehead and my guest today is Jodie Hill, Managing Director of Thrive Law. You can find Jodie on Twitter at I am Jodie Hill. That's Jodie with an E. Jodie, welcome. Thank you for having me. Tell me about uh, Thrive Law and your role there. Okay, so Thrive Law is um, a specialist law firm. We're based up in Leeds and we focus on um, well, a number of different things within the employment sector. So it's employment law that we specialise in, but we have a huge focus around HR and also mental health in the workplace. So we support businesses, but we also support employees through tribunal claims as well. I'm going to try to praise your career. Uh, you graduated from Leeds Beckett in law 2009, became qualified while working for Milner's, yeah. and at the same time started lecturing in law part-time. You've also worked pro bono for MIND and have been elected a Fellow of the Royal Society for Public Health for your contributions to mental health in the workplace. You founded Thrive Law in March 2018. That's not bad for your first <laughs> 10 years. That's, that that's almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. What yeah, so, well, before, after I graduated at university, I actually trained as a barrister. Okay. Um, and I cross-qualified whilst working at Milner's, so we might as well chuck that one in there. Um, and we've also, um, at the same time as founding Thrive Law, set up two networking groups, so Thriving Minds and Thrive Women, uh, alongside the campaign um, that I think we might talk about later. <laughs> so, yeah, it's quite, quite, a, quite a few things, but... Um, yeah, it's a good pricey. <laughs> <laughs> and is all that the outcome of applying a prolific amount of energy within the situations you've found yourself? Or do you have a personal mission that's guiding you? Oh, I think it's probably a bit of both. Um, my personal experience with poor mental health um, drove me really to set up Thrive and that's part of the reason why the campaigns run alongside the firm along with the, the networking. Um, I had a breakdown a couple of years ago and I'm quite open about what happened with that, my recovery and really what I now need to do to keep, um, to keep well effectively. So that's driven me. Um, I also have a lot of I just have a lot of energy, I think. I, I was talking at an event today and people were saying they were, they were exhausted sat next to me because I was so energetic. But, you know, it's one of those things. I think um, I'm, I'm just so passionate about what I do and that, that drives me, really. And you've started a campaign for mandatory mental health risk assessments. Yep. Uh, what's behind that and how's it going so far? Yeah, so the campaign's going well. We've received several hundred signatures, support from various MPs, to the extent the Labour Party are looking to, um, to include this within their manifesto for, for the next round. And the idea of the campaign is to really bring mental health to the top of the agenda for workplaces, as opposed to it being a reactive situation when somebody becomes unwell or is not performing. We want it to be a day one right, so that somebody would have that conversation with their employer. In terms of the campaign itself, it's really difficult to say how long these things will take, especially things like Brexit, um, holding the Parliament up. So, yeah, I think for, from our perspective, we're keen to keep pushing that. Anyone can sign the petition and share it by showing support. And it's really just about getting employers to already start doing these things. We don't need the law to change to actually bring this in, into play. But equally, once we do have that in, in play, we can have consistency across the whole of the UK when it comes to mental ill health. 
And where do people find the petition? So they can find the petition on our website under the mental health section of the website. Um, there's a whole section on the on the petition. It clicks through onto the change.org um, website. So you can sign that, share it, and if anyone wants to get involved or has any contact with MPs, then you know we're always looking for supporters because ultimately um, it benefits everyone if, if this change happens. Great. Um, you're going to be trialling a four-day week based on the condensed hours model in <laughs> August. Um, what's the thinking behind that? Okay, so the reason I set Thrive up is I wanted to do two things. I wanted to empower women in the workplace and I wanted to also empower people with disabilities. Um, so one of the things uh, that that encompasses is flexible working. Uh, those things help both of those um, types of people. We have a predominantly female workforce and everybody has a disability at Thrive. So I'm really keen to trial out different ways of working because traditionally law firms work nine, nine to, well, 12 hour days, so not nine till five. And is that really is that really the most productive use of our time and so what we want to do is we're actually looking at the condensed model so working all of our hours in four days so rather than nine till five thirty we just tab on an hour here or there and the staff are choosing which days they want and how they'll tab on the hours whether they're a morning or an evening person um, so the idea of, of that is that we'll we'll try it out and just basically see for us did it work did we feel any better obviously it's only a month but equally, I think if we have an extra day off every week, we should start to see a benefit. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea, really. And then if it does work, we look to integrate that as part of our policy for 2020, uh, moving forward for all staff. So at the moment, it's all the full-time staff that are trialling it, but we'll trial it out for part-time as well, whether we can condense their hours further and just see how it works, really. I just think there's so many different um, innovative ways that we can work, and why are we all still doing 9 till 5? Who says we have to? Yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah. How would you describe your take on leadership within your own business? So I'm very unconventional. I think I'm, I'm quite young to have my own law firm and as a, I set up when I was 29 and that has its own challenges because I don't have 25 years experience managing a team. But I manage people the way I would have expected to be managed and I'm open, I'm honest and I practice what I preach and I think for me that's always been really important, especially with my own mental ill health. So. One of the ways that I manage them is I will be really honest about my own struggles and so that they can be open with me. Um, so we found that we have very, very low um, sickness, very high productivity, everybody's very engaged and the feedback that we get from the team and the clients is, is, is amazing from that. So hopefully it's working, but you'll have to ask them. <laughs> okay, uh, and what do you consider your greatest work-related achievement today? Probably setting up my own law firm on my own at 29. I think that was probably the best. Thing. Yeah. And, and actually, um, when, I, when you say it like that, it is, it's quite a big deal, but I was just kind of doing me, um, yeah. just doing what I wanted to do and, and following the path that I wanted to go down. And actually, when you say it in that way, and you re if you look at the statistics, the average person who qualifies as a solicitor is 35, and the average age of a partner in a law firm is 65. So when you look at it in the stats, it's actually, it's quite powerful really. So yeah, I'm very proud of that. And did you start in an office sitting on your own or did yeah. you have a team? Literally, so wow. I, the office next door to where we are now, um, it was just myself. Um, we're now a team of 10 um, in the space of 15 months. So That's a phenomenal achievement. It's, it's a, it, the growth is amazing. The team are fantastic. We've had our ups and downs as any new business and startup has. 
but I'm I'm just so I am genuinely really proud of the team. So yeah. Uh, and have there been uh, any mistakes along the way that you're prepared to share on it? Yeah, for sure. I think hiring people um, mm. that are the wrong people because you need somebody in, and it's that process. I've never had to interview people or go through that recruitment process, so that was a huge learning curve for me. And I've taken a step back, and the next few people I then recruited were more the right people. So we've had to we've had to let some people go yeah. um, that weren't the right fit. But equally, I'm glad that that happened because it made me reevaluate the processes, and we're very very much process driven now, mm. which has helped us massively in terms of recruitment, but also retention as well. So yeah, there, uh, is there a particularly particular element of your recruitment process that you consider key? So we have so we have two elements to it. So we have an initial telephone interview, um, which is the manager contact one of my managers will contact them. Um, so it's a bit of a screening process, and then the two of us will interview. So he'll ask more stuff around the you know the the most it's like good cop bad cop, <laughs> but actually it gets gives me the opportunity to get a feel for the person's personality. Yeah. So I'll ask questions more around their fit. And then he'll ask questions more about the role. And I found that that really has helped us to gauge because it's not just one of us trying to remember all of the questions. Actually, that um, that dual-pronged approach has really helped us to find the right person. And we've just taken on a new PA and we actually interviewed quite a lot of people for that role. But for me, that was really important to have the right person because that person is my personal assistant. So if it's not right, it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's worked well. And then it's it's the process from there, which is well, what do we need from the date that we offer them the job to the date they start the job? What needs to happen between that that point? And obviously, quite a lot needs to happen. Yeah. And who's going to do what? So it's about being really organised, especially as a small business. We don't want people just turning up and being like, well, what am I doing today? Where's so my laptop? Where's my phone? Yeah, exactly. So everything was organised. She, she was really impressed. and So I'm pleased to say the process works. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, what does your personal development plan look like? My personal development plan looks like this, and I'm making a waving feature with my hand. Um, I, I personally have two different ways of dealing with this. There's the personal development within the business, and mm. then there's my personal... Um, health, well-being, and that side of it. So, from that side, I have a journal that I use. I use a lot, do a lot of reflection, self-help, and I, I I'm actually learning Spanish at the moment. And I'm, I always set myself short-term and long-term goals every year that I'd like to achieve, and then I check in on those um, probably about three or four times a year to see where I'm at. Um, so that's my personal stuff. I'm right. quite keen to do that. Um, part of the reason setting Thrive Up was that I didn't just get consumed in work yeah. and I was absorbed in this corporate world before and actually is, is that really living, you know, it's, it, you want to have something outside of work so that's really important. Um, in terms of the work side, the personal development in work, we have, uh, we actually have a really um, good process where we, we set it all up, we have a table that we deal with it all and when I say we, each member of my staff has that as well. So they have their own individual personal development um, folder mm-hmm. where we work on all of that together. And they give me feedback on how things that they think might help me. Right. So we have like a bit of a 360, which I quite like. Okay. Yeah. So Jodie, you mentioned Thriving Minds and Thrive Women. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about those initiatives? Sure. So Thriving Minds was born out of the campaign, really, and out of my own experiences of mental ill health I wanted to educate and 
and empower employers to have a bit of confidence to deal with mental ill health in the workplace. So rather than waiting for something to happen, like we're saying with the campaign, um, upskilling them in terms of training. So we offer things through Thriving Minds like training on mental health first aid, to be a champion, mental health awareness, how to manage your staff. So there's all sorts of bespoke training that we deliver to businesses as kind of a, a fixed fee. So it's delivered by lawyers rather than a, a you know a trainer that maybe doesn't understand the legal implications of mm. some of the decisions that, that they might be making. The other side of it is we created a Facebook group and as a part of that Facebook group we have an online community where we can support people and generally share best practice within the group. And a spin-off from that um, resulted in us creating some breakfast seminars. So we, have, uh, we haven't actually got any planned for the rest of the year because we, we did quite a lot in the front end of the year and um, they're, they're basically, based, we're in Leeds obviously, and the idea was to bring together some of the online community and people meet, but we're planning for our annual conference at the moment, so we've put the breakfast seminars on hold until that. So the conference itself, um, last year we started it on World Mental Health Day, so it was about 50 employers, um, hosted by um, ourselves and the Yorkshire Post. So we were featured in the Yorkshire Post and the idea was to get loads of Yorkshire employers together and really just share experiences, learn. There was a series of keynotes, workshops, we had ex-England rugby players, all sorts of stuff there and actually it was a really, really good day to the extent that we're doing it three times the size this year. So we've decided to host it at Civic Hall this time and the Mayor's going to open it, which is lovely. We have some MPs who are supporting the campaign there. We're going to have a panel of experts, panel of employers, workshops, seminars, exhibition stands, and hopefully people leave, um, we we're creating a workbook, and hopefully they leave with the workbook and can implement some sort of strategy once they've left. So the idea is, is that you don't just come and, and pay lip service to, to the event. It's mm. actually these are some of the takeaways that you can implement immediately in your business and how you can inspire people within your organisation to take action. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, so it's the 19th of September here in Leeds. And there are the, the, the tickets available online. So you can get, either get them through our website or just type in Thriving Minds Conference and it comes up on, in Google. So that's that one. <laughs> um, so we're obviously really busy on the um, on on the on the thriving mind stuff, but in March this year, to mark our one year anniversary, I launched Thrive Women. Mm. So Thrive Women is slightly different. It's more of a networking group. We meet quarterly. The group is the the first meeting was around an inspirational speaker and her journey as a as a tech entrepreneur. The second one was a panel of journalists, so we had the BBC, Yorkshire Post and ITV there talking about how women can get their story into the media. So it was, again, amazing to see, to, I actually hosted the panel and we, we had a great panel discussion. And the next one is, we have, we have a fun one next, it's a makeup masterclass, so probably just for women that one. Um, but then the one after that, we've actually got one about defining your personal brand as a woman. And right. um, well, man or woman, it doesn't really matter. But okay, so Thrive Women's open to men. It is open well. to men, so we do have some men come. As long as those men empower women and support women, anyone is welcome. It's not restricted. Um, in fact, one of our ambassadors is a man who he's amazing and he empowers lots of women across the region. So 
I'm, I'm not trying to exclude people, but equally the focus is on empowering women. Yeah. Um, and that's why that, that the final um, one before the Christmas party that we have is around upskilling those women and giving them the confidence to kind of do a maybe a three minute pitch about what their cell is or what who they are as a person or what their business is. Because so I think we find it quite hard to talk about ourselves as women as well. So yeah, the, the whole group, again, there's a Facebook group and the events are there so that we're finding the same people coming back and it's only been going for since March, but we've, we've got a lot of um, members now, a couple of hundred people in the membership. So the idea is to grow that and to help each other and anyone can join both of the groups. They're all both on Facebook, either type in Thriving Minds or Thrive Women and just click join and I will approve you. Uh, is there a particular person that has inspired you? So I have a few, so I find always find this question really hard because I'm like, am I supposed to say someone in the law? But um, I do have two people, so Lady Hale um, from a legal perspective because she's mm. the most senior, well she's, she's, she's president of the Supreme Court, so she's the most senior female lawyer in the country. She's also from Yorkshire and she's very funny and very articulate and I think she's fantastic. But from a business perspective, I've um, I met Michelle Moon, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, she's, a, a late, she's also a, a, a peer in the House of Lords, but she came from a really deprived background and, and created Ultimo Bras and, and then sold it and then is now a billionaire. Um, but her story is really powerful because she really did come from nothing and she really mm -hmm. worked very hard and I didn't come from a wealthy background and so I can resonate with that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and her grit and determination, just I just think that's really admirable. And uh, so we've touched a little bit on your self-care regime in terms yeah. of journaling, um, but uh, are there other aspects, and, and learning Spanish as well, are yeah. there other aspects to it, you know, physically? Yeah, so I'm really big on physical exercise. So after I had my breakdown in April 2017, I had to engage in quite a lot of therapy to get better. I was on a lot of medication. And by the end of the year, what I decided to do was come off that medication. And in order for me to do that, I had to put other things in place to keep well. So I exercise probably every day, even if it's just a 30 minute walk with my dog. Um, I do everything from netball to yoga to I actually weight lift quite heavy weights even though I look quite small um, but I, I, I quite enjoy that because it focuses the mind and each time you go up a little bit and it's that personal goal so I do enjoy that and I do notice the difference if I haven't exercised for about three days I do actually start to feel quite poorly so there's a big link for me there yeah um, I also meditate I try to do it more more than I, I I plan to do it every day, and it always is the one thing that I end up throwing to the side and not doing. I'll pick my exercise over meditation, and the truth in the matter is because I find it really difficult. It's very very difficult for me to shut my little mind off um, and have that rest time. Mm. But actually, that's really important. So meditation, I have an app that I use called um, Headspace. And yeah, I, yeah really. loads of people use it. It's a really popular one. Um, the other thing that I'd say from a self-care regime is eating well, sleeping well, and drinking lots of water. Now, those three things sound really, really basic, but they're often the things that we don't do when we're stressed. We normally binge eat, we don't sleep, we work longer, um, we don't drink enough water, we drink coffee. So it's about balancing that and actually giving your body the nutrients it needs to be well, yeah. as opposed to 
kind of self-medicating with all these different things that people do and often we'll go out and drink if you've had a bad day and that type of thing and I'm not saying I don't drink because I do love my Prosecco and the gin and tonic but equally it's about knowing yourself and I know if I've got a stressful day I'm not going to drink the night before or I won't overload myself on coffee because I'll feel more anxious so I think from my perspective I understand what my triggers are and what helps me and what doesn't help me and it's about regulating that and having balance and you can still do all those other things but just making sure you've got balance when you know you've got a pretty stressful time coming up. Yeah. Considering all the arenas that you're operating in, is there one thing you'd like to achieve more than any other? I'm not sure. I know what you mean with that. So obviously the main main business is the law firm. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, if I could change the law, that would just be incredible. Like I've never dreamed that that was where I was going to go. And it's born organically out of my own experiences so I think if I if I, anything that would be incredible because the firm the firm will continue to grow I have no doubt of that um, but that's more in my control whereas this whole campaign is out of my control so if that could change yeah. I think that would be really amazing. What, what do you see the challenges as you're growing the business what do you you know what challenges. do you foresee there? Yeah so challenges challenges are always um, I think with people um, as you grow, as they get more experience, they want to change their role, they want pay rises. I'm sure there's going to be all of those things. And um, as a new leader, as a new business, and as we grow quite quickly, the challenges we've already faced, um, I feel we've dealt with them pretty well. And it's just about having the right people around me. So I have a coach, a manager, an FD. So I'm surrounding myself with people who can support me with those challenges because I don't know everything and I accept that I don't. I'm a lawyer and I can talk a lot. Um, But, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, you don't know all of these things right from day one. And it is about learning myself. And if we do encounter any challenges, the key thing for me is to have the right team around me. And I feel like Mm. I've got that. So I feel confident and I'm, and I'm very aware that challenges will arise. We have a lot of challenges um, from you know, it's any business, like things like cash flow and from accounts and you'll have new sales, new clients. And there's lots of different areas and it's balancing that I think is a challenge in itself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, having, having the right team around me definitely helps. So I think young leaders are on the rise because I was yeah. interviewing the MD of an architectural practice oh. the other day and, and he's in his mid-thirties. So um, what, what are advice... Are you casting us at young in the thirties? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> From the perspective of someone who's 60, yes. Uh, so what advice would you pass on to those yeah. other young leaders? Yeah, so I think I think you've just got to be really true to yourself and don't listen to, first of all, your inner critic. I know when I set up, I was kind of, had that whole imposter syndrome, I can't do this, I'm only 29, what am I doing? And actually, why can't I? Just because somebody else says that that's the average age to do something doesn't mean it's always right. And especially when you're disrupting an area, like I'm, I've created a firm that's very different to other law firms. It's very disruptive, it's innovative, and people are going to have an opinion on that. So you have to be prepared for negativity, prepared for people who probably don't want you to succeed as well, but don't don't listen to the naysayers, don't listen to your inner critic, and just be true to yourself and do what you believe, what your gut is saying is right go and do it and just Mm. take the take the jump as well don't be don't be scared to take the risk because actually I I left a full-time job where I could have become a partner in a firm 
um, to set up on my own and everyone was like you are crazy and I was like yes I am but actually it's it's paid dividends and yeah. I'm so much happier so yeah if, you, if you've got a good idea and, and you think that um, it's, it's something that you can run with as a business then just try it you've got nothing to lose. And is there a book, uh, a podcast or a video that you'd, you'd recommend? So I quite like audiobooks. Um, I read a lot with, with work and so reading on a night I can literally get two pages in and I'm asleep. Um, so in terms of books, I like books that are around um, self-help and um, there's a book called The Chimp Paradox which is Steve amazing. Peters. Yeah, I love that and I really resonate with that with my own anxiety and the chimp and boxing the chimp. Um, the other one is 12 Habits of Highly Effective People. Again, probably comes up all the time. It's Stephen Covey. Covey. Yeah. So I think those types of books are really helpful. Um, in fact, I actually have both of the written books for those because I like them that much. So I have them on audio as well. But I also like autobiographies of, um, of entrepreneurs because I quite like to listen to the journey that... An, the, the whole point of setting it, well, the whole thing with setting a business, it's not linear. You're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. You, you same with your mental health. And I think it's really helpful to see some people like Richard Branson or Elon Musk who have gone through this crazy entrepreneurial journey to bordering bankruptcy, to being billionaires. And actually, it's not about the money, it's about the journey. And when you see actually that they, they didn't give up, that was the po that's the point. And I think that's really empowering um, to, to listen to those types of stories. That's, um, that's been quite an amazing interview, uh, Jodie, and, and in typical uh, Jodie Hill fashion, I suspect, we have crammed an awful lot into a very short period of time. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Compassionate Leadership interview. You can order Compassionate Leadership, the book, at www.compassionate-leadership.co.uk or on Amazon. This show was recorded on location at Thrive Law in Leeds and the music was brought to you by 96 Back on CPU Records. <laughs> <laughs>